This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. Curious to know how you feel about that. And I know it's not logical. You know, we might all be vaccinated by then, or at least all have access to the vaccine. But man, we need to be sensitive to the trauma that this pandemic has brought about us. You know, not everyone can jump back in that quickly. I don't know that I can, even for Eric Church. Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. I'm Billy Dukes. Thanks for finding the podcast if you're new. Thanks for returning if you're an OG. Be sure to follow because April and May are really going to be loaded with guests. Interviews come on Mondays, Thursdays for the latest news and commentary and conversation. That mostly happens, though, between episodes on Twitter at Billy Dukes, or you can email me at billydukes at gmail.com. In three Mondays, we'll explore Eric Church's new album with help from some friends of the podcast. A deep ACM Awards exploration slated for next Monday. And then, yeah, I owe you a Q2 stock report. Which artists should you buy, sell? Which artists should you hold? How about Kenny Chesney? Eric Church? Florida Georgia Line? That's coming, I promise. Coming up today, though, where Alan Jackson and I are just going to have to agree to disagree. And new details about what Eric Church's tour is going to look like what it took to plan this thing. I was out last week, and I'm not going to try to catch up on two weeks worth of old news, but some important things did happen. Carrie Underwood notched the number one album in country music with her new gospel album, My Savior. This is notable because it was a gospel album, and because her promotional plan was, was pretty light. Also notable, though, because she knocked Morgan Wallen out of the number one spot on the country music chart, uh, the album chart. That was after 11 weeks of Dangerous, the double album at number one. I suspect that won't hold, though, because My Savior's success was on the strength of actual album downloads and physical sales. A lot of CDs sold. Uh, No one's streaming this project. Very few streams, relatively. And if that's because it's a gospel album, I get it. Maybe that genre just isn't a streaming genre. But if that's because it's a Carrie Underwood album... That's alarming. I'm not really sure how long you can maintain a place among A-listers in country music or any genre of music without a strong streaming presence. It's a pretty big weakness in your offensive that's going to get exploited uh, sooner or later. Carrie's next album, whenever that comes, that'll tell the tale. Blake Shelton spoke like he has a plan to exit The Voice sooner than later. He said 10 years is much, much longer than he plans on hanging around and actually kind of alluded that he might just kind of retire off to Oklahoma and rest up with Gwen Stefani and just kind of ride this thing out. He could retire, you know. I could see by age 50, Blake Shelton more or less retired from music. Now, why not? You know, Blake to me is not the guy who is going to die on stage. He's much more likely to die on a tractor. Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line announced a new solo record deal with Warner Brothers. And an EP called BK's Wave Pack coming uh, Tuesday, April 13th. I've heard the four songs. It's basically early Jake Owen. Loretta Lynn dropped an album and took back an album. This hasn't gotten a lot of press. Van Leer Rose, an album that won Loretta and Jack White a Grammy Award and really rejuvenated her career in the early 2000s looks to have been removed from all streaming and digital sales sites. And my source told me that her team didn't feel it represented her well. That's not confirmed. I did see that Saving Country Music caught wind of this in early March and and fished around a little bit. 
Didn't get a lot of answers from her record labels or from her herself or her team. This is a bummer, though. You know, Loretta, she seemed to share a real fondness for Jack White, who partnered with her on that album. They, they sounded great together. It was a tr- really important album in terms of my country music maturation. I can imagine this really stings for him, and, and I, I struggled to understand why she'd be a part of a decision to do that. Alan Jackson announced a new album called Where Have You Gone, slated for May 14th. The title track laments the loss of traditional country music, and this is where I had planned to spend my time today. I had a whole riff on how a country music fan or a country music singer's call for the return to traditional country is rooted in bigotry. Because let's be honest, that's a call for white guy music, made by white guys. And it's slamming the door in the face of anyone of color or anyone who grew up in an urban environment and couldn't afford a steel guitar, but still loved country music and still wanted to make country music. Thinking specifically of Blanco Brown in this case. He's one example. Yeah, I was going to spend significant time explaining how in a general sense, country music needs to be a little bit more progressive. Actually, a lot more progressive. Not only to thrive, but just to survive. If you don't grow, you die in music. Just look at rock. But I'm not going to say that today. I'm not going to use my time on that content today because something else much more interesting has happened. Eric Church announced a 55-date tour, the Gather Again Tour, for September. It's going to go from fall through the winter. And this is it. We're doing this thing. Come on. Eric's team's got a lot of confidence that come fall, the entire country is going to be comfortable gathering in really large arenas with 20,000 other people. And he's playing in the round so even more people can see him. And give him credit, he's not hiding in like southern states like Texas and Florida to hedge his bets. I don't mean that to disparage those states, it's just the restrictions are quite a bit looser in those states right now. I mean, this thing gets to New York and then Canada within the first month. Kristen, who follows me on Twitter, and she came at me and said, hopefully Canada will be functional for concerts by then. And yeah, I mean, she was kind of joking, but seriously, can Americans even get into Canada right now? I mean, how easy is that passage? All along, it's been a pretty strict policy. And I know this because my wife's family has some property up near Sudsbury, and they haven't been able to get there for well over a year now. New York also very strict. But Chief isn't gambling. At this point, there's just too much to lose by rolling these dates out there on a whim. I'm kind of curious to know how you feel about that. If not for Eric Church, then how about like Dan and Shay, who are slated to come back in September, or Kane Brown, Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert, whoever your favorite artist is. Are you going to go? Are you in? Do you feel comfortable doing that come September? I'm not sure. And I know it's not logical. You know, we might all be vaccinated by then, or at least all have access to the vaccine. But man, we need to be sensitive to the trauma that this pandemic has brought about us. You know, not everyone can jump back in that quickly. I don't know that I can, even for Eric Church. He's playing Knoxville. That's the closest he'll get to me on this tour. Even after hearing about the lengths Eric went through to make this happen, I'm I'm still not sure. Uh, And the Taste of Country Nights radio team talked to Eric on Wednesday morning for the radio show and, and the website And this article actually just went live on Taste of Country. We learned that, yes, Eric is a little nervous about it all. In fact, in some some cases, he's a lot nervous. There's just a lot of moving parts. Here's one quote. There has been more meetings with local municipalities and governors 
and epidemiologists and scientists. Some arenas are going to require masks, he says. Some will only recommend them. Some may not say anything at all. So, like, the goalposts are kind of moving with each city and state. He kind of joked that he feels like an epidemiologist at this point. Like, he gets the risk, you know? I mean, the winds could change. And if they do, that's going to cost him money. A lot of money, potentially. Uh, He told Billboard in the cover story he's not planning to pass that cost on to the fans with the ticket costs. He's just going to eat it during select shows. This, I think, is where it really kind of gets interesting with regards to Eric and the vaccine. He was on the cover of Billboard getting that shot, but admits, if you don't want to get it, fine. He's cool with that. He just wants enough people to get it so he can go play these shows. You know, like, everyone has the freedom to say, nope, nope, that's not it, not for me. But by the end of the month, he says he thinks everyone should be able to get the shot. And then from there, it's up to the person. Personal responsibility. That's what matters here. I'm good with that. You know, right now, right now, I'm good with that. A year ago, that was a really stupid stance to take, and some artists did take that stance. I remember stars telling me fans should be able to go the shows if they want. Last July, it's their risk. Now a half a million Americans are dead because some fans listened. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit hyperbolic, but my point here is that one year ago, you were really putting others at risk if you caught that virus. The chance of spread was really far too great. Now we have the systems, we have a vaccine, three vaccines. We're on our way. Eric's first show back is going to be in Kentucky. And aside from what I mentioned earlier, what's surprising is that he's starting in a fairly big city, Lexington. A lot of times artists will start a tour somewhere small, like Toledo or something, kind of to work out the kinks. You know, especially he hasn't played a show, a full show in several years. Uh, They need rehearsal time. Sometimes these smaller venues let you rehearse for free. There's one up in, I think, Connecticut that does that, a casino. Eric's going to Lexington, Columbus, Cleveland, Buffalo, and then he goes out to Grand Forks before a single show in Canada. And actually, now that I look at it, the routing on this show is pretty funky. Um, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Denver, into Alberta, and a couple more shows in Canada than Washington. Then to Tennessee, Indiana, up to New Hampshire, New York, D.C., South Carolina. He's kind of all over the place, including several stops in January in Canada and um, kind of central Michigan. Who goes to Canada? Who plays Canada in January? That's uh, new artists. That's who, generally. (laughs) You know, if I'm an artist, I'm in Florida. No opening act, once again. It's a night with just Eric Church, and it's in the rounds of, as I said, more fans can attend. Three to four hours with an intermission, very similar to what we've seen from Eric in the past. And yeah, he's going to play a lot of the new songs from the Heart and Soul album. And there really are some great live songs on this album. I'm going to cheat a little bit and tell you a few titles to look for, uh, songs you haven't heard yet. Uh, There's a song called People Break, kind of a nice soft moment in the show. Rock and Roll Found Me. Actually, that song would really make a good show opener, if I'm being honest. The entire Soul album has a lot of jams. Look Good and You Know It, Break It kind of guy. That might be one of my favorites from uh, all three albums. Bunch of Nothing. Uh, uh, Okay, that's on Heart, but it's a pretty fun song. I don't know that this album has as much attitude as some previous albums. My one-word review of Heart and Soul would be Patient. I'm also in the process of editing a list of his best songs, and a number of new songs are going to make that list. 
I think Never Break Heart is an all-timer. You know, that kind of optimism, that's all over this album. Vocally as well, it's a, it's a really, really strong album for him vocally. It just is more creative and dynamic than I feel he ever has been. Does that falsetto thing again, which is odd, but lovable if he only does it once an album. I don't know if it's the most creative album to date, but it's growing on me. It's growing on me. All right, let's do the numbers. By the Numbers This Week finds Carrie Underwood on top of the country albums. My Savior is number one, followed by Dangerous, the double album from Morgan Wallen, and Luke Combs' What You See Is What You Get. A new Taylor Swift collaboration with Marin Morris called You All Over Me is number one streamer. Then it's Chris Stapleton starting over and Gabby Barrett and The Good Ones. Same song at number one on the sales side, followed by The Good Ones, and Miranda Lambert and L. King's Drunk and I Want to Get Home. Florida Georgia Line's long-lived number one country airplay, Luke Combs Forever After All, is most added at country radio, and the number one hot country song is Gabby Barrett, The Good Ones. I hope is gone. She kind of disappeared. New number one for Gabby. She's now two for two with number one songs in the hot country songs chart. Big thanks to Billboard for the charts, Taste of Country for the job, my parents for hosting me last week for a vacation. Sorry about the missed episode on Monday. Next Monday, it's either a really, really important ACM guest or the promised Q2 chart report. Before you split, follow this podcast and share on your favorite social media platform. Tell me what you liked. Tag me on Twitter at Billy Dukes or on Instagram at Serious Journalist. Email me, BillyDukes at gmail.com, and then come back on Monday for episode 49 of the Country Music Media Podcast. <laughs>